1: With the Thinking Drinkers, Ben McFarland and Tom Sandon, and Mistress of Wine Sam Caporn all the booze news and views from Absinthe to Zinfandel. Happy hour starts now. A very warm welcome to our wonderful weekly podcast on all things booze related. I am Sam Capeorn, aka the Mistress of Wine, and I'm here with the Thinking Drinkers, who are to my right.
2: Yes, Tom Sandham. Hello, Sam. Uh, Hello. It's
1: good to
3: be here. To my right. Ben McFarland, which is me. It's the Drink Talking Podcast.
1: Yay! Yay! So drink. this week I am leading the Spittle Swallow.
3: Really? Yep. Mm.
1: And then we have you, Mr. McFarland, with a couple of
3: beer tastings. Beers. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And then we have.
2: A whiskey drinker for the legend of liquor, uh, Ernest Shackleton, if you're still listening by that point. Excellent.
1: (laughs) We certainly will be, won't we? Absolutely. Because we're we're
2: stuck in the room. Contractually obliged. (laughs)
1: Um, Right then, so I'll start then.
2: Yeah, let's hear your spit or swallow.
1: Okay, so I can't decide which one to kick off with. I think I might start with the spit. Yes. Okay, so I have an irritation when people sniff the cork. The What oh. the cork, okay. so like when you um open a bottle of wine mm. and you take the cork out often in quite smart restaurants or anywhere, there's a quite an ostentatious removal of the mm. cork from the end of the corkscrew and they give it a give it a sniff and um frankly, it's a load of bollocks if the wine is corked, you don't necessarily pick that up in the cork okay well, and it just really annoys me i
2: would I think maybe the listeners could do with understanding what corked means because if something's corked smelling a cork Mm -hmm. might smell of corked (laughs) yeah Uh, but what does cork actually so um
1: that's a good question so for example i was once working in a bar in sydney and i'd open a bottle of wine and i had left a tiny sprinkling of cork debris in the bottle, which then got poured into a bloke's glass, and he came, brought it back to the bar, and said, "Oh, my wine's corked." To which I laughed in his face. Terribly mm. good customer service on my part, and basically said, "No, it's not. Just fish the cork out." I think yeah. that's what I said. Really, I should just have happily replaced it. Yeah. But no, that is not what a corked wine is. When you've got little bits of cork floating in your glass. What it is, is it's um, something called 246-trichloranosol and it's a chemical compound that basically infects the wine and makes it smell of kind of mouldy, earthy, woody.
3: Sort of cardboardy.
1: Cardboardy. And it happens to various degrees but it's super mega strong. So even a tiny bit would would really affect the wine. But I think it is Is actually quite complicated. I mean, typically, it is actually the cork and it used to primarily, I think be a result of the chemical process that ironically sterilised the corks. It's a fungus, um, I think, that kind of married with a like a chlorinated cleaning product that basically caused this 246-tricloroquine. Oh, right. And then you get something called TBA as well. And you can actually get it, like, I've actually had a cork gin and tonic which is why I always take my citrus, such a wanker, out, out. Like if I'm, um, you if take I'm, your citrus
3: out? Yeah, so room. if I'm
1: given um, water, I'll always reject lemon, and I'll only have lime in gin, but I will give it a quick sniff, because sometimes you can actually get basically sort of TCA, which causes this smell and everything. You can get them in, in wooden crates and various things, so you can actually get it rubbed off on, on things fruit. like citrus. So I had cork garlic the other day. I was chopping up some garlic for dinner, and I was like... My garlic is corked. Well, well, well. And uh, you can get corked citrus. But you think, how can I take a gin back to the bar and say my gin and tonic's corked? I think it's nuts. Yeah. And I was judging wine at the beginning of the year and I actually had a corked wine under screw cap.
2: Oh, there we go. Yeah. So that was going to be one of yeah. my questions. And mm-hmm. also, you're talking about it like you can pick this smell up anywhere. Can't we all just smell it? Is it sometimes confusing because that smell could be on a wine?
1: <laughs> it could be oak or something. Mm. Yeah, and, and because you have it to such different degrees you have it to such different degrees so you can have a really light amount of cork like you know or you can have one that's so pongy there's no Mm. doubt that it's corked. or sometimes you'll be like is it isn't it so sometimes if you're not sure like if i was judging and i wasn't sure if it was corked i could go back and get another bottle so um it's a complicated one
3: but does that mean you know in a restaurant when they the smellier might sniff the cork but then he'll pour it yeah now as the customer just go straight
1: to the pouring don't sniff the cork
3: Yeah, well, there's that. There is that. But then, obviously, if he hasn't picked it up... Yeah. But I pick it up, but surely I should be able to pick it up solely from smelling it.
1: Yeah. Because basically you don't wine taste, you wine smell. You know, Mm. you... um, if you've got a cold, you can't taste mm. your food. So, basically, all the volatile aromatics go up your nose, and that's how you taste anything, food, wine, etc. So, So, um, no, some theory, you would just have to smell it. But if you're not sure, that's when you might want to take an, a so taste. So, the first,
3: the first barrier cop, to yeah. it is your nose, yeah. then it's the taste. Yeah, totally. And But never the cork.
1: Never the cork. Just mm. Leave the cork alone.
3: See,
2: I would have to say that if I was sat at the table and the wine came around and... Uh, mm. Ben for example if I was with you I might not mm, well yes. be I might mm, be yes. with someone else for a change uh, and you just smelt that wine I would say you're as uh, annoying to me as <laughs> the razor who, who smells the, the cork, cork. Yeah, so it's all levels of the, just yeah but if irritation. someone asks you if you want to taste the wine you just taste it because that's what you do but doing why, anything else is to say um, look, well, look at what me. I know yes I know but why is yeah. why
3: is the semel- what is that ritual about Yes. Is is That's it purely about to tell whether the wine is corked? Because, really, if you've yep. ordered the wine, you can't just go, oh, no, I've got that totally wrong. Yeah, That's no, the wrong, not really. I, I thought that was mm. going to be a different kind of Riesling. I yeah. don't want it.
1: I think um, you're basically giving the wine to taste to check that it's not faulty. Is it
3: one out of 12 bottles, I've been told, <laughs> um, on average is corked? Figures
1: vary. I think, um, you know, some people do research and say it's like 1%, but at a competition I work with regularly, they reckon about 5%.
3: So that's one out of every twenty. Lot. Yeah. Now if one if, if one out of every twenty what do you buy? Eggs or moldy. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well in a restaurant, I don't know. If one in every twenty got rejected Once, well, what yeah. would they're so they corked. If the restaurant has to get one, one in one twenty every, back. But they
1: but the the restaurant would then send that back to the importer or the producer, right. I would assume, and then they would send that further down the line yeah, as well. Yeah, how many yeah. pairs of jeans do I yeah, buy? The yeah, but the average... One 20 would be... But the problem is the average consumer might not recognise it. They might mm, not, so they might not it know it's called cool and they might think, oh, it's wood or I don't really like it. Mm. And if it's very subtle, the, um, you know, the fruit might just be a bit flattened. So no, it's, so cork's a real tricky one.
2: There's a problem with being educated. Middle-class problems, I think. <laughs> I know. It's terribly
1: <laughs> embarrassing.
2: <laughs> being an expert. Oh. No one likes an expert, do they? Are you still oh. listening out there? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there's um, three experts here.
1: So I'm going to move on. That was my spit. Good one. Good. Um, Thought provoking. And my swallow is, I like a bit of wine paraphernalia. Okay. And it comes in all different shapes and sizes. So I bought a couple in. I picked this up for you boys. Oh. Oh. What's this? It's a booze (laughs) bottle lock, and it fits most standard bottles. That is. And and basically, seven pounds fifty. I got it from um, Joy.
2: So, what you put it on the top of the bottle, and then your other half can't drink your wine. Can't go at the wine. It's got, look at this, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, it has. Do you want yes, to so play? You play like with that while safe. I talk
1: and see if you can make it work.
2: Pass it to you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> looks great. Okay, so
3: it's got a. Um...
1: Is there are no instructions. Oh, the instructions are here, Ben. Okay, yeah, all right. Base is a lock. It looks it's got like a combination um, lock. It's a, um... yeah, it's a combination lock, and it looks like the kind of stopper you might get on some on a bottle of champagne to keep it. Does sparkling. it actually
2: keep the the wine fresh as well? No, it's no. just a
1: gimmick. But you know what? There are wine gimmicks. This is um, mildly amusing, I yeah, think. Yeah. I've also recently purchased a corkacle. What? A corkical. So um, I've actually left my corkical in the freezer, which is where it belongs. But it's it's got like a little tiny cork on the top, and then it's got a long icicle looking body. And you pop it in the freezer, and then once you've had your first glass of white wine, you pop that in. And it keeps it cool, so you don't have to keep running back to the fridge. Ah. Um, frankly, it does the same job as a jacket.
2: Yeah, OK, um, I was going to say. But if you like, your wine's or? cold,
1: mm. you, you know, you could use both.
2: Yeah, and, and you, uh, you little... just make sure that's clean and you don't yeah. haven't, put it, haven't put it anywhere. I mean, it's quite a nice shape. You don't want to put <laughs> it anywhere. that's um... <laughs> Where the sun don't shine. Well, I wasn't going to say that, Sam. <laughs> well you've taken it too far. Just hygienic, keep it clean. Um,
1: but these kind <laughs> of things, your cool, cool, clean. <laughs> keep your clean. Cool, 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 cool. But these things are nice little gifts, I they think.
2: Oh, I would be happy with that.
1: Nine ninety nine from Amazon. Wow! But actually, it's meant to be about twenty quid. There so um, I think that's quite fun. But the best thing I use on a regular basis. Paratites.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. What, oh what? Um What? What do you use? The, they look actually more like pop socks. Am I right? <laughs> you no. Know what?
1: They are because I mean, people used to get offended of me pouring wine through the gusset.
2: Right. But... <laughs> well,
3: you, you didn't have to go there, Sam.
1: There's a lot of who hoo Ben can't work. Yeah, the, out
3: out. My silence has been is due to um, me being bamboozled by this. <laughs> Massive I was trying crustacean. to get it onto 007 which oh, I thought you? was rather clever of me um,
1: I will go back to that but basically what I was going to say was there's a lot of fuss about wine glasses and decanters and actually I went to a really interesting lecture and it's true that glass shape's really important because the, the shape affects where on your tongue the wine enters and what part of the wine you Sort of perceive first, whether it's the fruit or the weight. So, if you wanted the wine to seem sort of more elegant and restrained, you would want the wine to hit the sides of your mouth first. So, you'd get a more balloon-shaped glass. Mm. So, like with a Chardonnay, like a Burgundy or something. But we did this test on these wines with different glasses and it made such a difference. I know it's really convoluted and a bit... No, you know, no, I think. But, but it really <clears throat> makes a difference. And equally decanting, if you've got a, like, a ballsy red wine, you know, do chuck it in a decanter. It's just to aerate it. And then if you accidentally... Um, what we're going back to about the corked wine, if you get little bits of pieces of cork, and then you have to pull the cork out... Seriously, a pair of tights or pop three, socks, pop you literally socks. just um, get your decanter... And put your tights, oh, like this, I should. Yeah, put it over can, this glass. Yeah, over
2: the, the, like that, and over the just, rim.
1: Yeah, put it over the rim. And you just pop it down a little bit and you yeah, pour the bottle in. Fingers. And that's the best.
2: Again, hygiene is important. These are brand uh, new.
1: Can I say these are unworn? Brand new. Use
2: brand, brand new Brand new, new, Yeah, and then yeah. you
1: lob a little bit in the bin afterwards. There you go.
2: It is a visual thing which doesn't work greatly on podcast. But well, I...
1: parrotites, I think everyone knows what parotites are. <laughs> well. No,
2: just generally though, I think in this uh in a theatre of dispense, uh yeah. we've been down that road before. Yeah. and if you've got people around pouring that over over your old gusset, I mean it's just a bit <laughs> doesn't really seem very
1: appetizing. Oh, I've never had any comments. No. Have Neg- you not? No, okay. I think everyone's always fascinated by my little um tricks yeah. of the well, trade. Okay. Oh, um, I like it. They're the main ones, frankly sometimes you can't beat a microwave or a radiator either.
3: For warming what? up wine. Oh, I see, right, Warming right, it right. up.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah just
3: just a lob it in a jug,
1: give it, yeah, under a minute. Put your finger in, have a little taste. <laughs> in a
2: microwave. <laughs> you just, are leading a classy what? operation around your gaff, Sam. Lights <laughs> <laughs> and fingers. Wine's
1: oh, wow. Mine's pretty stable. Wine's <laughs> yeah, pretty stable, I know that, But
3: microwaving. I, I mean.
1: Ideally, you'd mold get, wine, you I'd you'd get the microwave. wine out and you bring it to room temperature. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. But if, if it really is cold and you haven't got time, yeah. I would suggest it's better to like it in the microwave than to drink it cold. Okay, right. Mm. So,
3: tray bomb. Pour your wine through your pants and put it <laughs> in the microwave. So
1: um, I ha- And
3: to use your fingers. So.
1: For a gentle stir. <laughs> Don't forget stir.
3: fingering the wine. But I think the glassware is, um, it's, yeah. is important. Yeah. Funny enough, 007, mm. he was very particular about the glassware he used for his martinis. Did well, you know you did. he was so he was obsessed with glasses? <laughs> so you know where this so, is going. No, so so much so, James Bond, <laughs> that when he retired from uh, the Secret Service, he opened uh, opticians in Albington. It was called "For Four Eyes Only." <laughs> <laughs> I was in there.
2: I was in there the other day. So ben my ben. Um, eyesight's terrible, isn't it, Ben? Yeah. You never guess who I bumped into.
3: Who did you bump into, Tom?
1: Everyone. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On that note, off. I think we're having a short break. And then we're returning with Ben and his beers. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some
0: not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs.
2: I'm Tom Sandham from The Thinking Drinkers, and you are listening to It's The Drink Talking.
3: Okay, so we're going to take some beers now. Uh, as part of my, as yet still, uh, (laughs) untitled beer section. Mm. (laughs) None of the podcast listeners have uh, written in or got in touch with yet. There's still time. Please pull your fingers out. (laughs) It's getting embarrassing. But this uh, week, we are focusing on... Italian beers. Oh hey. la la. No, wrong country. That's the wrong country. Oh, What's well the matter, you? Hey, <laughs> where well you look so sad. And it's Ciao. Italian beers. Ciao, bella. And Italy makes some amazing beers. Now, you might know Italian beer, the most famous Italian beer, probably. Peroni. Was. Peroni, which were very. Beer Moretti. Beer Moretti. And Peroni is sort of. Peroni is quite sneaky, really. Because when. Do you remember when Stella Artois was kind of seen as the posh beer that everyone drank, a little posh lager at least? Oh. And it was known as reassuring expensive. Continental. Continental. When their sort of star began to sort of wane and uh, there was a sort of gap for Peroni to come in and Peroni was all just at like Pizza Express. It was like an mm. Italian restaurant beer. And what they did, they just made it more expensive and introduced loads of sexy glassware and all of a sudden Peroni became oh nice the again. new kind of Stella. and it's sort of it's seen as a kind of super premium. But there's loads more going on in Italy than that and it's one of the most exciting kind of European countries in terms of craft beer out there. If you're a bit of a craft beer geek, Italian beer is really, really something you should be exploring. And it hasn't got the kind of traction here that it deserves, mainly because of distribution. Not many people have been bringing it in. It's quite expensive.
1: Do you get many over here?
3: Not that many. Oh. Um, it's very artisan. It's slightly more expensive than other countries' beer, mainly because it's, they use proper ingredients from the sounds of things, and and it costs more because of that they use a lot of indigenous ingredients they very italian they, they're sort of some of the beers we're going to be trying today are sort of influenced by music and art and when you hear the brewers talk about their beers very kind of passionate passionate romantic and they are doing some really good stuff i think at the beginning the quality was a bit up and down but the sort of founding fathers of that of the, of the scene have really laid down some good foundations. In nineteen ninety seven they sort of created a sort of their own sort of craft beer union as well, which has improved the quality and the camaraderie within it's quite a small network. And in more Italy. lagers? No, not necessarily. The There's a great lager, one of the best Italian beers, which I will try to get hold of, is called Tipo Pills. Oh, from tasty. Berifico Italiana. We're mm. gonna try one of their other ones. If you like lager and you want to taste a a good one if you're based in London, there's an amazing Italian chain of bars called The Italian Job, and they are owned by Burrifico del Ducato. Ah,
1: good accent. Del Ducato.
3: Um, I'm not and sure are... what accent it is, but it's <laughs> a good accent. I like it. Come on. <laughs> the ladies love it. Del <laughs> uh, Ducato. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the head of del du mm. is a man called giovanni campari and they
1: not called giovanni campari he
3: is giovanni campari and he's a he's a right dish oh. He's a he a dream boat he's a real dream boat uh, yeah and he's a very good brewer okay. um and they they've opened this bar in london and but it's that sort of acted as the um conduit, the conduit, the conduit. thank you sam mm, nice um, words, and they bring in so. lots of other um italian mm. beers and distributors so them. that's
1: where to go if you want to... Has some good, yeah, of yeah, bits. yeah, and
3: it's not cheap. But then,
1: good stuff. off they isn't? all
3: exactly, and it shouldn't um, be Ben. The no. amount
2: of time and energy that's gone into it. Do we, should we treat beer as a cheap commodity? That's the problem.
3: That's has been going the problem. on the last thirty yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, charge so, a lot of money. So the lengths I've gone to get hold of this are quite extraordinary. I Did, went down to the bar. <laughs> heck, you left the house. <laughs> yeah, didn't you just phone someone? No, And, no, just no, no, no. and I took my Gorilla. Oh, well, well. well. <laughs> my growler. Well, you take that growler everywhere, Ben. I'll tell you what, I cleaned out my growler. And um, I took it down to the Italian job. Uh, a growler, if you don't know, ladies and gentlemen, is essentially a jug with a a stopper that you can fill up with beer. And it keeps and it fresh. let's be honest,
1: a great name. It's a, a great brilliant name. name.
3: brilliant. Um, name. And it keeps the beer fresh for three days. Well, I mean. Why didn't you Imagine? get a
1: full growler? I can't help noticing it's... Well, because it's so, cause expensive.
3: beer expensive. So, <laughs> it's so expensive that they half full. They were, I'm, a, I'm a half full that, guy um, kind of guy. They, they were pouring it, and I, I was Stop. about, I was about to say, "Don't, oh, you don't have to fill it to the top," cause it's. And she would already stopped. So did anyway, you
1: charge, did you pay? Make you pay for it?
3: No, 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 Oh, oh
2: That's nice. Yeah.
3: Oh, let's but, it hang on. It, oh, Let's, let's get, it get in the glass. Let's get in it, the glass. Oh, well, did you hear well, that? That was the stopper. So this is in a very So Del Ducato do really good beers And they're from a part of Parma Thanks It's called called Roncoli It's looking very flat and Uh, uh, uncarbonated Where Parma ham comes from Um, Yep, and I think Tortellini as well Okay, wait a minute And pizza You're just throwing things out there now
1: Uh, I can smell
2: it from here that's incredible. That's um, an incredible smell.
3: And it's... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, hold Boy, on. Hold your horses. So this is a beer that's kind of dumbfound at first. Yeah. Okay. It smells delish. Okay. They do a Lambic beer. Now, I've, I don't know if you've ever tasted Lambic beer. Lambic beer, essentially, is beer made uh, with wild yeast. With... This rings
1: a bell. We've talked about this before. Yes.
3: Yeah, so, so Lambic's an amazing... Is it a saison? No, it's not saison. Lambic is used as a, the base beer for this. And lambic is it's a beer that's fermented using wild yeast, and they've got their own beer that's called chrysanthemum, I think. No, chrysopolis. <laughs> I was going
2: to say chrysopollis
3: flowers. Chrysopollis. It's called like daffodil. <laughs> it's called yeah. <laughs> Daisy. It's a flower. Chrysanthemum. Like sure I love my chrysanthemum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clematis. <laughs> E- <laughs> easy. Not so like good in a bed clam, clam right against the wall. Clam, um, clam, where are you going with that? The core cool lambic beer is Chrysopolis which is going to be very sour it's going to be more like cider more like sherry mm. and they've blended this and fermented it with you'll like this Sam mm. organic Malvasia grape. Mm. What they've done is they've pressed the grapes and they've transferred them into a big sort of open top steel vessel no easters added at that point and then then the next day, fermentation of grapes begins. They brew the basic lambit beer. Then they um, rest the grapes in that, and it all ferments together. So it's a kind of grape ale. It's a wild mm. grape ale. It's Wine. not for me, Ben. Is it not?
1: You just taste no. it, and
3: your face is sort of puckered a bit. It
2: does draw the cheeks in.
3: It is an acquired taste, but it is a, a taste worth acquiring.
1: Tom, what do you think?
2: I'm drinking this quite rapidly. I've gone in for four mouthfuls. But The thing is, the aroma doesn't really compare to the flavour in any way. I find it quite fruity and it's almost promising something sweet and then you taste it's it and it's appley. quite sour. I'm here
1: with the sour cider notes. Mm. Yeah. But
2: I think by my fifth sip, I'm already starting to think, this is all right. How yeah. strong is it,
3: though? 7%. That might be oh. why. <laughs> Um again That's brilliant. I've just had uh, seven again, weeks. We go, <laughs> I'm loving it. We go back to glassware. Now yeah. if you were to have a drink this out of a pint glass and we're not drinking this out of the most elegant of glassware, oh. it's not going to perform. But you put it in a champagne flute and it's probably lost a an, a smidgen of carbonation mm. over the last twenty four hours. Um, I was gonna
1: comment on that. Yeah.
3: Mm. But this is their sort of one of the, literally, they're one of their wildest beers. Mm. This is at the most artisan extreme. And it's, this is one for it's the It's quite geeks. left
1: field, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Yes. When I first tasted Lambic beer,
1: mm. I just thought,
3: what are these people talking about? Yeah. It's disgusting. It's making my cheeks do weird things.
1: It's like sucking a lemon.
3: Yeah. Mm. But then you do become used to it and then you crave it. And it is yeah. something that I do think it. a lot of it's Emperor's New Clothes yeah. in beer and all kinds of drinks. But I do think this is this is you've got Sorry. no moisture in your mouth then <laughs> no I know I can see you're struggling i have some water is, yeah, is, well, is it on I've used all my I was wondering words. that was
2: a chicken stitch <laughs> is the next beer a lambic beer no it's not okay can, Let's we, get get some, can we get some moisture <laughs> in our mouth but
3: anyway Del Ducato I don't, we've gone wild on here yeah. they do a Verdi Imperial Stout with chilli in it that's amazing their flagship beer is Via Amelia uh, which is a, a Keller beer which is amazing lager and then they do a Saison called New Morning which is all inspired by Bob Dylan so it's Random. really, it's really good. Go and check them out; they're great. Now, Giovanni Campari. Yeah. Any relation to the Campari family? No. 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 That's no. no. Like the, uh... But all oh, good. But he was he.
2: <laughs> it's a shame this isn't visual. Yeah. Ben Just proves a he can't open bit. <laughs> Look. All right.
3: Okay. And he was inspired. Show your face. He was um, inspired by a guy from Verifico Italiano called Agostino Arioli and he is uh, again one of the sort of the, the main figures in the italian craft beer scene and he makes an amazing beer a rare example of an italian Weiss beer hefeweizen Ooh. which is Ooh, a german like style beer. of beer um which is made with wheat so i'm going to pour mm. that in there There
2: essentially doing what a lot of European countries are embracing, including places like Germany, I suppose, embracing the craft beer. They're doing what the Americans are doing. They're sort of taking these European styles... And they're amping them up or changing them or twisting them slightly, which I yeah. saw, I mean, going on in Germany, that strikes me as particularly strange. But in Italy, if you've got no beer culture to start with, no real Well, they're not heritage, hamstrung by
3: history in that no. respect. And they they do Italian twists on traditional mm. beer styles from other okay. places. And obviously, they're quite near to Germany. Yeah, got um, influence. So <clears throat> normally, with a wheat beer, you've got the wheat it's not entirely wheat. You have barley in there as well, but the wheat gives it some body, gives mouthfeel as well. But it's the Bavarian Weissbier yeast, which is very fruity, bubblegummy, hmm. clove-like, which is where the flavour all comes from. And what have and they added
2: it, that's Italian to it? Then what's
3: the just a you know ne sais quoi. or whatever the Italian is for that. Well, some Mamma Mia. Nothing um, if not <laughs> bilingual.
1: Is significantly nicer to me than the right. first one.
3: Well, that's why. But then I like
1: a wheat beer.
3: Yeah, in the summer, lovely this head. Is, this is this is great. But it's a lovely mm. big frothy white head on yours,
1: and quite banana-y. Mm.
3: Yeah.
1: bit of tropical fruit. Mm. Yum!
3: That's all coming mm. from the yeast,
1: mm. and it's a very that's very
3: in c- and good alcohol? contrast. It is Sam? I can tell you that right now is five <laughs> well, percent. Well, it's a bit
1: more civilized than the seven. Yeah,
3: good yeah. knowledge, Ben. Still good a bit knowledge. punchy. Oh, thank
1: you. <laughs> That's delicious, yeah. I like that one. Um, and yeah. they
3: are, you can't go wrong with those guys, uh, anything with a birrifico italiano oh. attached. I think particularly when,
2: when you're pairing something like that with food, it would go brilliantly with tapas. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that classic Italian dish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something, ben, something
2: Ben said in an Italian restaurant once, <laughs> this is great tapas. <laughs>
3: Right. they're all <laughs> the <It's> same <confusing. laughs>
1: and what I've learned is I really enjoy being able to have a beer without retching I oh, would we'll see
3: <laughs> what, the one before I think you're giving that a terrible one uh, it's, it's honest though, it's honest because it's really not going to be for everyone, it's no, it very isn't. very sour so but if you don't like wherever. it you're wrong Smoking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, like a true beer geek Yeah, yeah um, but get down to your Italian job if you can the other beers they do are, are very approachable and mm. very well made And the other brewery that uh, is worth a mention is Beer de Borgo, Mm -hmm. which does some really, really great beers. They do one called R R E Ale, R E apostrophe Mm. Ale, which is a classic British bitter, and they do an IPA version, real extra. And their beers are very readily available, not least because they were recently bought by Anheuser Busch. So they broke ranks from the craft beer scene in Italy. Sold to AB and Bev, who are the big,
1: and they, and they own They own there, and lots them. of big brands. Yeah. yeah, and
3: a lot of the purists are not happy about that. Yeah, but it does mean that those beers they are more readily available. You can get yeah, hold of a them. A bit in more the marketing game. push, or, or distribution, network. Um, distribution network. So distribution they're worth a, sh- a shout out because not all these beers that we try today, especially not the one that, <laughs> that you didn't really like,
1: <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> they're quite difficult to get hold of. But do seek them out.
1: Thanks very much. Oh, well, that was. Um, yeah. a sh- a A tale of two halves, I would say. Thank you. (laughs) One tale. Tale of two cities. Tale of two cities. Is that about Italy? I'm not sure. Corona? And we have Tom doing this week's (coughs) Legend of Liquor, and it is a chap called Shackleton who I've never heard of, so I'm looking forward to hearing more.
2: Ernest Shackleton, uh, who's probably best known for his failed journey in 1907 to Antarctic. Antarctica. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So's beers, Ben. He was very big during the heroic age of Antarctic exploration, so he did lots of other things. He led the very first expedition to set foot on the South Polar Plateau. His team conquered the Antarctic's most active volcano...
1: Mount Ooh. Erebus
2: as well. He, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I like it. Uh, what a lot of lavas. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> he broke lots of records, um, but we do know him for his failed expedition, which is quite strange to celebrate a man who failed. But How did. did it fail? What happened? Well, everyone died. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. But it didn't get there. That's they why did, it's... and they turned back. He turned back in a bid to try and save the remaining he was left. men. But he was the ultimate... English uh, heroic failure. And although he didn't set out to do exactly what he wanted to do, uh, we all love a man who tries, Mm -hmm. don't we? But more importantly than any of this, he was a great drinker. He loved whiskey and he was a very popular man in the pub. Quite surprising in itself, he was brought up in a household of temperance, uh, and he was actually a member of the Band of Hope, which was a teenage temperance movement who sang about the evils of booze outside pubs. Uh, what so while well, you were just having a drink,
3: point. people would come along and... Sing.
2: Teenagers, no less. <laughs> Shout, Precocious kids saying, Don't drink your beer, <laughs> mate! <laughs> Something like that. I think that's how it went. But he grew up to have a bit more affection for alcohol. And uh, he was probably famously known for not putting a great deal of preparation into his expeditions. So while his peers, the people who were part of this heroic age of exploration, would have spent years preparing themselves for these rather dangerous expeditions into very cold environments, uh, he gave himself seven months uh, before his his 1907 trip into the South Pole, and that really wasn't enough Enough. time. His Norwegian rival, uh, Fried Nansen, who was a champion skier Mm. and a man who really knew what he was doing, actually gave Shackleton some advice when he heard what he was doing because uh, he was so concerned with the lack of preparation going into it. And uh, Shackleton, rather than taking the advice, which included these big, Parkers, nicely lined with fur which Nansen would actually later sell to other explorers and, and they really thought this was great gear uh, Shackleton <laughs> decided <laughs> to pack a string vest oh, uh, oh, yeah, several God. hats which he could put on top of each other <laughs> so he, wore, he wore hats on <laughs> top of each other rather than just one hat, several hats and he hated dogs, when we think about exploration in this part of the world, obviously you think of those dogs zipping along huskies. the lovely edge. huskies yeah, mm. and he didn't like dogs mm. and dogs didn't like him so instead he took ponies with him, Mancurian ponies which are pretty hardy but not, not dogs. Not quite as zippy. Not as zippy as the dogs. And an actual car which he put on his Nimrod ship and sailed over to the region. Um, and as soon as he got that car off ice. the boat, it sank. And the horses just bowled around for a bit and then died. No one wants to pick up dog's mess in the Antarctic, do they? But he would have taken those dogs. They're a lot quicker than the ponies. And yet, Shackleton still managed to make it within 97 miles of his chosen location. And partly because he bought with him... Some alcohol. He was a huge fan of drink. He was financially backed. This whole project was backed by the Guinness Brewing family. And Shackleton left New Zealand, and I've got this written down, with a tonne of liquor on his ship, which included brandy port, creme de Month, a uh, nice after-dinner digestif, two barrels of beer, J. Spate beer. Yeah, yeah from Dunedin yeah. in New, New Zealand. Zealand yeah. Champagne, Sam, as one view. Cider posh. and wine.
3: And he also took some uh, forced march pills. Forced march was something that um they used in the First World War as well They're essentially cocaine. Yeah, I wondered <laughs> if
2: it was amphetamines as well or if it
3: was just Force it's, it's called Forced March, a mixture of cocaine and speed and yeah. I don't know probably my just 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 baby just laxative why you know, do you as well take or something I don't know. on a ship well, no, for the actual
2: for the, for the powder, part. he took powder for the powder, as they say. And yeah, the uh,
3: difficult thing wasn't the ship. You know, well, <laughs> you get
2: the other end, yeah, yeah, they got off the ship and then had to. Oh, well, no, I imagine they had some of that booze on the ship, but it was it was all for this expedition. So they were carrying this through. But apparently, it was the good to,
3: to um, ward off snow blindness as well for. Oh right, okay. I didn't know that, uh, so there you go. Didn't.
2: didn't just give you the energy to keep... Well, going. it was that as well. And was so I accurate. just think, they've got, look,
3: we've got some... We've got loads you of gear. It's pretty boring oh, out oh, there. There's no customs there. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to be Bang a load of pills.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as I said, legend. What a legend. Oh, oh, um, oh. No drugs are for mugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Um, He took the alcohol for lots of reasons but partly to foster this sense of team spirit because what he knew was they were going to be spending months out in the middle of nowhere in tiny, very cold tents and he wanted everyone to feel... Just a bit better about themselves, be able to toast birthdays and wives. I think that was one of the reasons he yeah. said <laughs> toast wives, or the fact they weren't with them. And yeah, he was—he was wanted to sort of pick up this bond <laughs> on me.
3: Uh, as, uh, it's sort as of a camaraderie <clears throat> catalyst kind of. Thing. Yeah,
2: and one of the things he packed in there was whiskey. Three months before the expedition, while he was packing his string vests, uh, he wrote a letter to the distiller Charles McKinley Co. of Edinburgh, and he ordered twenty-five cases of a ten-year-old rare. Thailand malt and he took that with him and uh, they failed but the site has now become a museum, where he sort of. Why made is it? What's what happened? Fame. Do we know
1: why it failed? What went wrong?
3: Well, I think there <laughs> were some good reasons. Really far, there. and it's, ma- it's cold. It's
2: miles yeah. away, and he wasn't massively prepared. But was I mean, there like a shipwreck? Get,
1: was there a storm? Did, Do we you know what went wrong?
2: Uh, people started dying, and oh really, way. it was, it was mm. very very cold, and they didn't have the, the provisions to get them all the way. He had got further than anyone else mm. before. So uh, jokes aside about his preparation, the uh, man was a successful. Adventurer, mm. but no one had got that far, and he's still oh, yeah. seen as a hero, not least because he left some of that whiskey behind. And a uh, hundred years later, when they were uh, excavating at the site, they found the whiskey, and it had been frozen under oh. the surface of ice and preserved. So they dug it out of the ice, and then they uh, they let it thaw. It took uh, somewhere in the region of eight months to thaw, and then they've been able to taste it. And they subsequently launched whiskies that pay homage to the whole adventure into Shackleton himself but now they've actually launched a whiskey that's based on the whiskey itself and we are going to try some
1: great what well, based on that frozen whiskey that took 8 months to defrost.
2: yeah so
3: let's get rid of some of that into there i heard that the whiskey was it wouldn't have survived Top. at normal 40% strength that it was forty-seven point three percent, which is a, an ABV that allows it to to withstand retain, the cold.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. Is that what this comes in at? So this is that's
1: forty. It says sh- this
2: is Shackleton blended malt whiskey. Um, so we can now be like Shackleton in okay. our string vests and we can hats, taste it. Multiple hats and it's so a So he would
3: have been in the hut. With like twelve other men with nothing to do apart from look out. But, oh, that looks yeah, chilly. but
2: interestingly, <laughs> with uh, if you refer back to one of our other podcasts, beer goggles. So all these men, <laughs> oh, all, these men going, all these men sat hello. there and a hello sailor, oh, in a streamer, actual sailor because they yes. sailed there. Um, so there we go. This is what we're tasting, and it's a, a blend of Highland malts, and um, it's quite uh, robust. It's uh, nice and sweet at first, and then it's quite prickly. There's a lot going on in there, and there's even Mm. a little bit of smoke.
1: Smoky. Yeah,
2: Mm. a little bit of smoke. And contributions from sales of this whiskey go to the Antarctic uh, Heritage Trust in New Zealand. So they are trying to give a bit back, and it's available from thewhiskyshop.com. And what do people think? Do you like that? I do
1: like that. Yeah, it is. I'm a bit... Really smoky.
2: It's quite smoky, isn't it? Um, And I see
1: what you mean about the sweetness. You don't get that really hot alcohol burn.
2: No, is I'm, this one
1: for beginners? I'm a real beginner. And I think, I think blended, blended
2: whiskey generally is. We'll come back to a tasting and we'll do a proper uh, exploration of blended whiskey. But a lot of the single malts in the world exist purely for blends. Blended whiskey props up the whiskey industry. It's the big but financial it, driver. It is a good way to get into whiskey because it's nice and it sweet is, and balanced. Yeah, I like it's it. nice.
3: It is, and I'm not just saying this, but it's got a slightly um, short finish, which. Is how you describe his uh, oh, expedition. Wow. Oh. You see what I've done there. Oh, I
2: do. That's pretty good. And maybe we
3: should be drinking it over ice. Uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh, yeah. yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Bit of that like
1: polar experience. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a salty yeah. tang. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the fourteen men in a heart.
1: <laughs> no, the sea. Oh, I
2: see. Yeah, oh, I, see. yeah oh, I see. Right. Yeah.
3: This podcast know. <laughs> about all the alcohol. Is he a good legend? Is Did he? I he like, um, word? Well, I like the fact that he started off as a teetotaler and then. His biggest success, albeit ultimately a failure, was soaked in booze. I Mm. quite like that idea. Yeah. And I think I like the idea that he recognised that if you're going to go to the bottom of the world with 12 strangers, Mm -hmm. you're going to need a drink. Yeah. It's going to help. Definitely. Mm. And the cocaine helped obviously (laughs) as well. (laughs) Having it in a heart. When in doubt. Um, and yeah. did he
1: have a long a long life, do we know? Do you know or what? what,
2: I haven't got beyond this because um, I don't know what happened to him after. EGIG.
1: He's dead, <laughs> he's definitely dead. He's
3: dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he was overtaken by Scott, wasn't he? Scott, yeah, well, the
2: Norwegian went on to be the first man who conquered both poles, didn't he? Well, he had the fancy jacket, didn't he? Yeah, he should have taken a jacket. He he invented North Face.
3: Oh, really? Um, No,
1: (laughs) 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 although if North Face
3: (laughs) wants to sponsor this part of the show, very welcome. I will wear it, even though it's very warm in this room. Never stop
2: exploring.
3: Um, Oh,
1: and basically, I think, um, big kudos to explorers. I mean, when in the days where people thought the world was flat and yeah. all kinds of stuff yeah, there's was, quite a big risk they'd be taking to I learn think, about the world. I
3: know, having read about Shackleton, there's a good book by a guy called Neville Pete which is rather ironic yes. given yes. the whiskey link. He wasn't that into adventuring but he loved fame and fortune he was a bit of a ladies man as well
1: uh, and
3: so I think he was like, like oh, having that oh, on his
1: business card I'll Poor tell you what.
3: yeah so he's like if I go and Sort of stick a flag in the bottom of the world, come back again. I might get laid. I'm more. gonna get laid, <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: which is a, a driving False
1: force of many for many people's career. Yeah. Much.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: But hey, he liked a drink, yes. and he gave it a try. So he that's did. The main thing.
1: Well, well done, Shackleton. Mm. Well done, Tom, for another wonderful legend. Mm. And I think that wraps up our podcast.
3: It does. it does. Which all
1: that's left is to say, let's go back to Ben to remind us. About those lovely beers.
3: Yes, um, the beer we have been tasting today, the one that um, Sam didn't like <laughs> but is good and she's wrong, is <coughs> Birifico del Ducato. It's called Settombra and I'm not Italian but I reckon that might mean September. September. Mm. And that is available at the Italian job bars. Um, but if you can't get hold of that or you're not in London, then Lucky look online you. for uh, their other beer, Via Emilia being a very a big favourite of mine. And then of course, you've got from Birifico Italiano. You've got their B.I. Vison Il Miraggio, and that is a uh, wonderful uh, heifer vison, and that's available online, I think it's about £2.80.
1: And if you want any more wine information, then go to my site, www.themistressofwine.com.
2: If you've enjoyed this podcast and like to learn more about drink, then you can see Ben and Tom, the Thinking Drinkers, in our live show where we'll be tasting alcohol and making you laugh. We're on tour. We're at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival throughout August and then around the UK and in London. All dates and ticket prices can be found on our website, www.thinkingdrinkers.com. Please buy a ticket, please.
1: So, yeah, thanks for listening. We are back again when Ben is doing his Spittle Swallow. Yep. Which means Tom so must be, we'll doing be doing the tasting, tasting. and yeah. I shall be doing another scintillating Legends of Liquor. So, till next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Cheers. This was a Premier Crew podcast from Seven Digital.
0: Hold up.